I'm Robbie Burns. And I'm Craig McClellan, and this is the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Welcome back from Hawaii, Robbie. Thank you so much. How was the trip? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Thank you for uh, humoring me on that. I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's really... Everything went wrong from the start. The second we got there, the car rental agency, by mistake, instead of a regular sedan, they gave us a top-down convertible. (laughs) Okay. And, And, you know, like, we didn't, we had a couple of activities planned, but then, like, there were a couple days where we were just so bored, we didn't have anything to do, so we just drove around the coast of Kauai in a convertible with a top down. It was awful. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, uh, you took care of yourself well on that trip. That's exciting. Well, I think that's a pretty good setup for what we're talking about today. So you want to tell us what we're talking about? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, as teachers, you know, we get this really great time of year to, decompress, to reflect, to relax, but we don't always really take good care of ourselves during the school year. And so today we're going to be talking about a number of different apps, services, and platforms that can help you to deal with mental and physical health on iOS devices. Yeah. You know, it's this is not going to be a productivity show. This is not going to be an automation-focused episode. Um, this is another aspect of technology, though. It allows us to track our health um, and reminds us to take care of ourselves in lots of different ways. Um, and teachers really need that. So this is it's a little bit of a different episode for us, but I think you and I both are pretty excited about it. I am, you know, and if you're a nerd and you're like, come on, guys, give us the nerd stuff, you know, we are going to give you a little bit of that because all of the apps that we're going to talk about today allow you not only to uh, find time to take care of your mental and physical health, but also to track it using different fun apps. So the, we're going to actually kind of start off nerdy. We're going to talk first about uh, the platform on iOS devices that actually is sort of the... I don't know, I would consider it to be the heart of all health-related activity on iOS, and that is HealthKit. HealthKit is a developer framework that allows third-party app developers to take fitness and health features of their software and integrate it into iOS. And there's a number of different ways that this faces the user, which we're going to get into. But the primary way, at least that I interact with, is with the Apple Watch and with the Apple Health app. You may have noticed when you updated to iOS a few years back that there's this icon on the home screen that's a white app icon with a little red heart in it. And it's really easy to overlook this app because like lots of Apple's apps, it does not really have a very descript name. It's just health. It's like maps, health, mail, And it doesn't really immediately lend itself to what it does. What the Health app does is it takes a bunch of different types of data that your iPhone and your Apple Watch, if you have one, are able to track. And then it 
creates nice little neat charts and graphs for you to watch this data and track it over weeks, months, and years. Now, the iPhone itself is able to track a couple of pieces of data. It's able to track uh, mostly things that are done with the Apple M chip, which is, uh, I believe that M is for movement or motion. Um, and that chip allows the phone to track things like steps, things like flights of steps, flights of steps climbed, uh, and a number of other types of data. Now, if you're wearing an Apple Watch, the Apple Watch is able to track some things too. Uh, it's able to track your heart rate, your resting heart rate over time. It's also able to track the three rings that appear on the Apple Watch face if you're using the Apple Activity app, which is uh, the blue ring for how many hours of the day you have stood up and walked around for a few minutes, the green ring, which tracks minutes of exercise activity, and the red ring, which tracks calories, active calories burnt throughout the day through activity. Robbie, could you... Uh... Could you explain a little bit more the difference between red and green? I have a lot of friends who ask me that, and they're like, what's the difference between exercise and move? And you did do it a little bit, but I, I, if there's a little bit more detail you could add, I think that might be helpful. Sure, and you can certainly add to this too. The way that I think of it is that the green ring is tracking minutes that you have initiated exercise. So if you have launched the exercise, an exercise app, like launched a, a walking workout or a running workout, and you have run or walked for 25 minutes, the, and your daily exercise goal is 30 minutes, then that green ring is going to fill almost all the way up for the day. Now, the green ring also tends to fill up when it recognizes an elevated heart rate over a short period of time. Um, how exactly that data is being added into the mix is not entirely clear to me. But I think of the green ring as minutes of exercise. Exercise initiated from the Apple Workouts app on Apple Watch or from a third-party workout app, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Now, the red ring I think of as active burnt calories. So your heart rate monitor on your Apple Watch is also looking at, over time, what is your average heart rate and within certain minutes of a day, how much motion is the watch detecting and how elevated is your heart rate? And it is doing some calculations to guess how many calories you are burning through activity. And then that red ring represents, you actually, your calorie goal defines the red ring rather than the minute goal, which defines the green ring. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks for clarifying. As a teacher, I'm on my feet a lot. I'm very mobile. And there are days where, without even trying, I can fill up like 75% of that red ring pretty easily. For sure. And even my school is pretty large. And just walking my students to related arts or walking to a meeting, if I walk even at a slightly brisk pace, um, I would get the, uh, the green ring to fill up because it senses that I'm walking at a faster speed and starts counting that as exercise. So... Their teachers definitely have an advantage. We sure do. Now, the next thing I'm going to, well, I have a few more things to say about health app, but the next app on our list is the activity app. And this exists on the Apple watch. And it's basically just when you launch it, it just shows you those three rings and you can scroll down to see some extra data. There's actually a companion app on the iPhone, which shows you 
your rings over time. So you get like a kind of a calendar grid and you can scroll back through history to see how many days of the weeks and months you've filled all three of those rings. Now, you actually, if you're a teacher and you fill that green ring naturally just by being on your feet a lot, you actually get a little green dot for each day that you actually initiate a workout intentionally in addition to filling your green ring. So the activity app is kind of a companion. It's showing you what's happening over time. You can also see a history of your workouts, whether they were initiated from the Apple Watch Workouts app or from a third-party app. So by going to the Workouts tab, you can see this long history of all the different workouts you've done from whichever apps you've done them from. And, and that's kind of where we're headed with this episode is that third-party apps can initiate not only workouts on your Apple Watch, but they can also feed different categories of that Apple Health app with data. And this is kind of cool because, you know, the Apple Watch and iPhone can't track things like water intake or caffeine or calories consumed or sleep. So third-party apps can play a really big role in getting a complete profile of your mental and physical health. Yeah, and also even just things like the built-in workout app doesn't have every workout type that Apple supports built right into it. And so um, having another app that does can help you keep track of what kind of workouts you're doing better. So I'm going to transition into talking about those those third-party apps now. Um, for me, the app that I use the most to work out with on my Apple Watch is called Workouts Plus Plus. Um, it's a free app, which is fantastic. It's by um, David Smith, who develops a lot of health and fitness-based Apple Watch apps. And I've actually, I'm going to mention another one of his a little later in the episode but um, I like it because, exactly what I said, it has every Apple Watch-supported workout type. So, um, for instance, uh, my gym, I, I, I hate being one of those people that's like, I do CrossFit. And I don't, um, but my gym, we do similar things. There's a lot of weightlifting mixed in with high-intensity stuff and pull-ups and burpees and box jumps and, you know lots of different kinds of movements. And so there is a cross training type of workout that the Apple watch can support, but you can't do one of those workouts in the native workout app. So for the most part, when I'm at my gym, I'm running workouts plus plus, and um, that's really helpful. And there are others, but that's probably my favorite. And workouts plus plus is going to be getting better with watch OS five. Just the way that, Apple is allowing developers to keep track of workouts in third-party apps is going to be more like Apple's own workout app. So it should be more reliable and responsive come September when we, when we get that update. Now, what do you mean that there are types of workouts that the Apple Watch is capable of collecting data on that you can't actually launch from the native app? Yeah, so if you even on the Apple Watch, open up the native app, um, there are different kinds of workouts that you can do built in. There's swimming workouts, there's high-intensity interval training, there's walking, running. And um, and though I, I've heard that it still 
counts your calories and and how much you're burning in a workout about the same for each type of workout, it's still really helpful going back to that data that we were talking about in the health app when it says, oh, you did this kind of workout on this day. It helps you keep up with, oh, I'm doing more of this kind of workout. Maybe I should diversify or maybe, you know, I feel like I've been really successful with those and I can keep going. So I think there are like 40 different types of workouts that the Apple Watch has an API for that it is capable of tracking. But in the workout app, I think it can only do like 10. So if your workout type that you like to do is not listed in the workout app, you've got to go with a third-party solution. That's interesting. I didn't realize that there were actually hook-ins to type of workouts, but that were actually not launchable from the Apple Watch app. So when I downloaded Workouts Plus Plus, I just assumed that that developer was sort of hacking some sort of solution together, but it's actually a supported workout on the Apple Watch. So what are some other kinds of categories relating to diet and exercise that you can track on a third-party app that also may or may not talk to the Apple Health app? Yeah, so... um... I have used in the past the app MyFitnessPal, and we've been talking pretty heavily about the Apple Watch so far. Um, These next several do not require the Apple Watch. Um, They need an iPhone, but um, and even some of them, like MyFitnessPal, is a web app, so you can use that as well. But um, you know, you can input the food that you eat, and it will keep track of how many calories you've eaten, how much protein, how many carbohydrates, how much fat, how many vitamins. And it will put a lot of that into the health app so you can keep up with your, your macronutrients as well. Um, it also has a watch app and a complication so you can know throughout your day, like, oh, um, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, eat a certain amount of calories a day, my watch is always reminding me like, Hey, you're getting pretty close and it's only lunchtime. You know, you either probably need to exercise some more or slow down on your eating. And that's always there on the watch face. So that's really nice. And I actually used that, um, this spring I lost about 10 pounds over the course of six weeks, um, using my fitness pal and exercising. So, um, it's a great tool. If you're trying to stay hydrated, which that is a big one for me, I am terrible at that. Somehow I can always drink more coffee at school, but I can't drink more water. I struggle with it. Um, I've used an app called Waterminder before, and um, not only does it keep track of how much water you're drinking, you can set a goal, but it'll also give you a little push notification a few times throughout the day and just say, hey, make sure you're drinking some water. And I found that to be hugely helpful. Um, It can also keep up with other drinks that you drink, but it's mostly focused on hydration. Um, Caffeine. Sorry, before you go on. One of the things I I really like about Waterminder 2 is that it has a widget for the today view, which makes entering your water really, really quickly. So if you're on an iPhone and you've ever looked at the today screen where you can add little widgets, um, All you need to do once you've turned on the Waterminder widget is you lift your phone and you use raise to wake. So the screen turns on automatically and then you just swipe to the right and 
you have all of your widgets. Usually the iPhone comes pre-installed with like a calendar widget and a reminder widget. Once you add that water widget, all you have to do is just tap on some standardized amounts of water. Like I think eight ounces, 16 ounces, and like 22 ounces are pre-built into it. So it, if you think about it, you're lifting your phone, swiping to the right, and then tapping a button. That's only two times you're touching your phone to enter your water. And I, I think that's kind of important in a health app just because a lot of these tracking things, there's like a really, especially with MyFitnessPal, logging food can kind of be can kind of be a little bit tedious at times. And Waterminder really, Waterminder makes that so easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, Caffeined is one that you put in our outline, and I actually downloaded it this morning. And I'm, I'm looking forward to using it more. But, you know, how, how are Caffeined and Waterminder different? Well, it's funny. So you, uh, Caffeined obviously tracks caffeine and I like it because it has a similar widget in the today view. So it's just really easy to like see how much caffeine you've had in the day and add um, Waterminder and caffeine both. And actually my fitness pal all feed to that Apple health app. So when you enter data into it, you can set up the Apple health app. It's actually, I think it's the middle tab on the bottom of the health app where you choose it's called sources and you can set these third-party apps as data sources so that they're adding to your view in the Apple Health. So um, I like these apps, Caffeine and Waterminder in particular, because they create these custom shortcut buttons that make it really, really easy to enter the data into the Apple Health app. I actually don't really interact with Waterminder or Caffeine in the app. I just use the buttons in the widget. Now, Caffeine has some crossover because you can actually enter water in the Caffeine app as well. And I think it will actually send your water intake to the Apple Health app as well. So you, I'm pretty sure it could get away with just that app if you wanted to. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I, when I looked at it after seeing it in the show notes, why I downloaded it because it felt like I could keep track of both water and caffeine intake. And even though... Waterminder, you can input coffee. It's just adding to your hydration level. It doesn't say, oh, that's this much caffeine. Yeah, right. It's not going to send the caffeine data to the Apple Health app. Right. So the final app that I want to talk about is uh, Workflow. And we've talked about Workflow a lot, and it's going to become Siri Shortcuts and or just the Shortcuts app. Uh, come September. Um, but for now you can still download workflow from the app store and it's free. And along with all the amazing automation of moving things between apps, it can also input health data into the health app. And so, um, <laughs> at one point before I bought Waterminder, um, I was tracking my water using a workflow and, um, it would ask me how many ounces of water I had and it would save that many ounces of water to health. And then it would search Giphy for a GIF of Ron Swanson doing something and display a notification of Ron Swanson. And once I met my goal of however many ounces of water it was, it would display a particular GIF of Ron Swanson where he's wearing a funny hat and and dancing 
to help me celebrate that I had had met my goal. <laughs> and you can automate all of that <laughs> using <laughs> workflow and shortcuts. Nice. And and that is worth the price of admission to this podcast. Wow, very nice. Now, <laughs> take it back to I feel like this outline so far if you were to like <laughs> If you were to just basically, you could condense all of my dialogue down to just one word, and that word is widgets. <laughs> because my favorite thing about using workflow to track things like water and caffeine is that they have a widget in the today view where you can actually basically create little hot shortcut buttons which track different things. And from the today view, you can actually have like a whole, and I'll put these in the show notes, um, I have a whole button where you tap it for caffeine and then it comes up with a sub menu and you tap how many ounces and I have some custom ones like eight, 16, so on. And all of this happens. You don't ever actually enter the workflow app. You just, it's all in the widget and uh, my current workflow for water and for caffeine and in, in, uh, intake is to just use the workflow app because it all puts, it's all in the same widget, uh, which saves me some extra space on my today, which is screen. That's, that's awesome. You need more gifts of Ron Swanson in your workflow, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to. You're going to have to share that one in the show notes for sure. I got to find. I'm not sure if I still have it. I may have to recreate it just for this. Just, just for the show. Just for you, our loyal listeners. Excellent. So we're going to talk about sleep tracking next, and there's a number of apps that will do some really neat stuff, but that will also take your minutes of sleep and send that to a card in Apple Health that is basically minutes of sleep. Now, some apps will track just minutes of sleep, but others will track how many minutes of sleep you are actually in bed versus actually asleep or awake. Uh, some apps will, on top of that, actually show you how restful your sleep is. So let me start with the most basic of these. Um, the Apple Clock app actually has a bedtime alarm clock in it, which allows you to set a goal time that you want to go to sleep and then a time that you need to wake up. Now, that goal start time is able to send a reminder to your iPhone, reminding you it's getting close to bedtime to help encourage that bedtime. And then the wake up time will, you know, it'll it's an alarm. It'll wake you up in the morning. Now, that app actually... Even though it's a clock app, strangely, it tracks the minutes you're in bed. And it sends that data to a sleep card in the Apple Health app. Now, you can, of course, use some other third-party apps. Uh, a number of them are really, really great. I like one called Sleep Cycle, which actually uses a, a very, very nuanced sound from your sleep. It, it picks them up using uh, hypersensitive, I don't actually, it's some sort of crazy magic, but basically it uses the microphone of the phone to sense very subtle, pat, very subtle patterns in your sleep, which enables you to not only see a graph when you wake up of how deep your sleep cycles were, but it also allows sleep cycle to wake you up within a designated window of time that it interprets as your least deepest sleep. So if you say, I want to wake up at 630 and it senses that your least deep sleep between 5.30 and 6.30 is around 5.45 a.m., it will gently start to turn on its alarm and take you out of that lesser deep sleep, which is sort of a gentler 
approach to waking you up. Now, it will also send that, uh, that more specific sleep data into the Apple Health app. But what I really like, and this is for you nerds out there, is if you have Philips Hue light bulbs in your house, you can link the Sleep Cycle app to a Philips Hue light bulb and have it also gently turn on as your alarm clock fades in. So for me, the, just the, night, the light bulb above my nightstand, I'm sorry, in my nightstand, wakes me up slowly with this gentle red light source as my alarm turns on. So it doesn't wake up my wife. It's kind of cool. What? Okay. I need to look into that. It's, yeah. Oh, yes, you do. It's very, very cool. Now, as cool as it is, lately I've actually been using uh, one of two apps that I also recommend. Uh, Auto Sleep and Sleep Watch are apps that both, um, they don't require you to actually initiate a sleep. And they kind of just use a hybrid of phone and watch data to kind of guess when you go to sleep at night. This, of course, assumes that you are keeping your phone in your pocket and uh, that, you know, because what it's basically doing is it's looking at when your watch and your phone are on the nightstand and it's kind of inferring um, when you're actually in bed. It's, it's very, very accurate to the point where it's so accurate that I love just not having to, like, deal with an alarm clock app. So while sleep cycle is possibly the app I would recommend the most, the fact that for me, like having that extra app on my screen that I have to launch and run every night, it's just, I don't know. You, you, you know, if you're a nerd like us, you're just constantly changing it up and trying different things. So all of that is to say sleep cycle is amazing, but lately auto sleep is what I've been using. And sleep watch is another really great app. That's similarly using Apple watch movement to help automatically calculate your sleep minutes. Yeah, and I'll just throw in Sleep Plus Plus, which is also by David Smith, which is the one that I use, and it does pretty much the same thing. It It's through the Apple Watch. It senses kind of when you go to sleep and when you wake up, and it gives you a push notification in the morning on your phone with how you slept that night. Um, I use that because I like David Smith and his stuff and want to support him, so that's another good one. Yeah, that's a really nice app. That also, similar to Sleep Cycle, that app uh, also like calculates the intensity of your, or not not the intensity, but the uh, how, basically how deep right. your sleep is. Am I am yes. I right about that? Yeah, it tells you uh, restful versus restless, uh, both as a percentage of your sleep and in minutes. Very cool. So uh, next up, we're going to talk about something a little different. Um, a few years ago. Apple created a new category in the Apple Health app, and that's the Mindful Minutes category. Now, of course, mindfulness apps have been on the App Store since long before Apple Health could work with them. But um, being the nerdy data collector I am, uh, it wasn't until I noticed that there was an extra card I could add to my Apple Health view uh, that I started to really investigate some of these apps. So I'm going to talk about a little bit about the importance of mindfulness, but also some apps that will not only give you a really great experience with meditation and breathing, but that will also kind of integrate into the same feed of data that all these other apps are feeding into. So the very first one, and perhaps the most obvious, is an Apple Watch app called Breathe. And this app is simple. It, When you launch it, it you set a minute 
a minute count of how many minutes you'd like to breathe, and then you basically uh, slow breathe for that number of minutes. Now, the Apple Watch kind of gently pulses with your inhalation to help guide you through that process. So you can actually do this right at your desk at work. You don't need to like have your phone out or be staring at a screen. You can just basically have this be on while you're typing on your computer, or you can even just sit there in complete silence and do nothing. Now, there are other types of apps that focus on a little bit more of a mental kind of mindfulness. And I, I really love one of these in particular. It's called Headspace. And Headspace... Ooh, I could talk about it for a while, but I, I think I'll leave it at this. It's an app that has verbally guided meditations. And just simply like the generic track of meditations you can follow in of themselves are worth the subscription cost of the service. But there are now meditations for everything. There are meditations for running, for getting on public transportation, for doing the dishes, for walking through urban spaces. There are meditations for pain management, for managing difficult relationships. And all of them are these, they're not like these automatically generated algorithmic types things. It's actually a person who has himself recorded himself doing each one of these meditations. And they are all about 10 minutes long, but now there are even five, three, and even one minute long meditations that you can trigger. I have noticed a tremendous improvement in my ability to approach my job with calm and focus in a way where it's really difficult for me to not recommend this app. I strongly think it's worth trying out. There's a free trial where I think you get about 10 free meditations. And you can do all sorts of fun stuff with this now. Like you can, I think the Amazon Echo now can like run your meditations through your various devices and all that too. So I, I strongly recommend it. Um, and of course, it's also like the Breathe app, able to count towards your meditation minutes of the day. Uh, a good competitor to this is called Calm. I haven't worked with that one quite as much. Um, I generally just like the user interface and experience of Headspace a little bit more. So that's where I've spent more time. Uh, there's also, um, I think this is, this is worth mentioning, there is uh, an app that is sort of... Um, I don't know if it's so much a meditation app, but it's a an app for managing relationships, so like marriage. And this app is called Lasting. And it's similarly got a series of uh, sort of like guided experiences that you can go through with another person where you can work on relational health. There are some areas of health you can calculate that require devices outside of the Apple ecosystem. And this is another one that is really related to mindfulness that I've, I really, I really love this device. It's about a, I think it was about 120 bucks. It was recommended by a physical therapist. I was seeing a few years back, it's called a spire and it's a little device that clips onto your belt that measures your respiratory rate, which I think is an incredibly useful tool for a teacher to have because what it does is it then calculates streaks of time where you are either in a calm breathing state, a focused breathing state, an active breathing state, or even a stressed breathing state. Hmm. And what it can do is when it's calculating three or more minutes in a row of stressed breathing, it can put a notification on your phone that will launch you into a guided breathing meditation. But you can also look at your breathing 
data right next to your calendar of events in your iPhone. So you can see which events in your day are causing you stress. Interesting. <laughs> and if it's your particular third grade math class <laughs> that you see at the same time every day, you can get some interesting data on that. I almost wouldn't want to know that because there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't kick the kids out, nor would I want to. <laughs> of course, we yeah. love them all. But what, what I will say is that I've learned from this device, and, and I'll kind of, if you don't mind, I'll kind of bring this together. Like the, It's interesting to have this context because I started to learn that transitions are where my breathing is the most stressed, like moving from one class to the next, or even parts of the day where like I'm getting in the car to go to work, like hopping in the car in the first two or three minutes of driving is a stressed breathing time for me. Interesting. And yeah, it is interesting. You start to get this information and what, how this all comes back to the Apple health app is if you're tracking mindfulness, sleep, exercise, eating, heart rate, all in a place where you can see all of this data alongside itself, you can start to make really meaningful observations in, about th these different trends. So for example, you can see, huh, when I, eat, uh, when I eat better, I sleep more. Or when I, got, uh, when I had a little bit less caffeine, my workout was a little bit more productive. Or even when I meditated for two or three hours, that, or <laughs> for two or three hours, for uh, 10 minutes a day, my breathing was slower the following day. You can kind of start to see all this information in charts and graphs in a way where you can actually start to make some changes to your lifestyle. Sorry, I've gone down a rabbit hole. I'm on Amazon looking at Spire stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what this show is for. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, we have talked a lot today i think we're going to be over time even when we cut some stuff out but i think this is really good especially i have one full week left of summer and then in a couple days so i'm going to be getting ready for the school year and going to be dealing with some stress so um i think it'll be good for me to look at a lot of this and um try try and use some of the things i'm not using uh as, as i start the school year um well Next week, we're going to get into lesson planning, which I'm really excited about and a little freaked out about because, again, I'm going to have to be doing a lot of lesson planning here coming up. I, I'm getting really close to it, so um, that's going to be a fun one, and then uh, we'll have just a few more left for this first semester. So I'm really it, – it's crazy how fast this is going, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, about what we have coming up. Absolutely. I am too. Well, we will see you all next week. And until then, stay classy. And stay nerdy.